This episode was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present. Their systems of law and knowledge long predated that of the modern lawyers who arrived in Australia, and they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go for it and keep your mind open. But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy. God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. (laughs) I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. I'm Mel. I'm Talia. And this is Alan's Confidential. There is no denying that there is a stereotype attached to the quote-unquote typical lawyer. Sandstone University, parents were lawyers, grew up in the city, born and bred, ready to go into the law. The reality is actually quite different. The only thing typical of lawyers is that they are lawyers. But look around any office and you'll learn that your colleagues come from an increasingly diverse range of backgrounds and that firms are increasingly adopting a broader definition of what diversity looks like and means. This is a topic that is quite near and dear to my heart because going through the process myself, I definitely had moments of feeling like I might not belong at a firm like this or that there might be aspects about myself that I should try to hide or not go into when interviewing at the firm. So since coming here, it's been a very big passion project of mine to bring your whole authentic self to work and that there's power in our diversity and the things that make us different. What we're really hoping to do today is dispel the myths that there is an Allen's type or that you have to have come from a certain background to work here. To do that, we have two very special guests joining us today. We have Ginny Dorr, who is a lawyer in Sydney's projects team, and Patty O'Brien, who is a lawyer in Sydney's banking and finance team. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. We usually start our episodes off with a little segment called Nightmare Fuel. Just to remind all of our listeners that we are indeed still human. So Ginny or Patty, who would like to kick us off with an embarrassing story? I have one. I have a lot, but this one stands out. During my clerkship, I had a brief interaction with a partner at the firm that was clearly far more significant to me than it was to the partner. It was really just like a passing, hello, quick chat, what team are you in? And then when I came back and started my grad year, I was about halfway through because the new batch of clerks had come through and had started and I was getting into an elevator and and this same partner got into the elevator, obviously mistook me for one of the recent clerks and said, hello, I'm such and such, introduced themselves and said, welcome to the firm. And instead of letting it slide, I said, oh no, we've we've actually met before. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but we got to chatting. <laughs> How are you liking it? Yes, no, it's, it's very good. And we got to the ground level and parted ways and he said, oh, have a lovely day. And I said, you too. And then over lunch, I started obsessing over it because that's what I do and was like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't tell them my name. I have to tell them my name. How unusual. They must think that I'm so bizarre that I wouldn't even say I'm Ginny. So at the end of lunch, I came back up and the partner was now in their office with the door closed, knee deep in paperwork, very busy looking like they were deep in concentration. Perfect time to speak to them. Well, I sort of like faltered outside the door, like, do I, don't I? But then I thought, well, if they look up and see me standing here, that's even more weird. So then I went and knocked (laughs) on the door and they looked up and come in. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't actually tell you my name. It's it's Ginny. It's nice to meet you. And the partner said, yeah, no, you told me that. <laughs> it, was about, it felt like a minute and a half. It was about two seconds. I was like, okay, well, I'm, 
probably just going to go then. My partner was like, okay, have a lovely day again. And I was like, mm-hmm, thank you. And off I popped and uh, sometimes still get cold sweats thinking about that. We should call this episode how to make a mountain out of a molehill yeah. for no good reason <laughs> My <whatsoever>. life, my <laughs> life. Fatty. Yeah, okay. Mine was last year, probably about three months in, the partner in the team who is a fantastic partner, really lovely person came up to me and said, hi, I have a meeting tomorrow morning. Would you like to join? And you can take some notes and you'll probably be put on this matter long term. I said, yep, fantastic. Sounds great. I'll be there. He sent me the calendar invite. It was an 8am meeting, turned up to work, ready for this meeting. Little did I know it was actually six hours away. He had somehow between 5pm and 8am the next morning traveled six hours and was in the meeting room. There are another eight people or so in the meeting room. I didn't know that I was really the only one online. And I also didn't know that they had a massive plasma screen and I was the only one on it. (laughs) Anyway, and he sent me a subject line email saying, turn camera off, your head is three meters wide. (laughs) (laughs) Which it is one of the favorite emails I've received and it is in one of my like favorites folder. I was going to say, do you have a smiley face folder as well where you just drag and drop things like that in case you need a, a, need a moment to have a laugh or a yeah, smile? Yeah, it's called When I'm Sad, <laughs> which maybe I should rename it. But I just named mine miscellaneous. It's got a few good ones in there. I love a reply all to a group mailing list. That's yeah. one of my personal favourites. Well, after I was voted as the most likely person to reply all, I I'm that. so scared now <laughs> since, sorry, since then about doing it. We might get started. Our first question for you both today is, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? What did it look like? I grew up in Tamworth, which is in regional New South Wales, about five hours northwest of Sydney. I had a somewhat normal upbringing for someone there, played a lot of sport because there's not much else to do, went camping a lot. A lot of my friends lived on farms, so spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I think I had a like fairly normal upbringing, was quite blessed with my parents and the opportunities that they gave me in terms of sport and friends, and then moved to Sydney to study at uni and have been here ever since. Rural to the big smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Ginny. So I grew up just south of Wollongong in a place called Berkeley, which for anybody from the area, they'll know that it's a known low socioeconomic area. I grew up in housing commission property with a single mum who worked very, very hard to get us through school and make sure that we didn't go without anything. In my teenage years, I did experience some youth homelessness and also spent some time in youth refuges throughout the Illawarra before I met my partner and we moved in together. And that's what sort of what set me on my journey to uni. Thank you for sharing. That kind of leads nicely into our next question of what your education looked like growing up and when your first exposure was to the law. Patty, did you want to go first? In terms of education, all of it was done in Tamworth, which I really enjoyed. I honestly wasn't really exposed to the law until I went to uni and met friends who had studied law. I had a few family friends who had studied law and were practicing as lawyers in Tamworth, but it wasn't really anything that I ever really considered until I was at uni studying a Bachelor of Arts when a friend suggested that maybe it would be something that I would enjoy for the problem-solving aspect of it. Very bold suggestion, just to change your degree and start law. Yeah, it was either that or barista, so didn't really know what else to do. Yeah, but I initially thought I was going to save the world and work for the UN or DFAT or something. Now you're saving the world and the economy at Allens. Exactly, (laughs) yep. Yeah, and transferred into law and still never really considered being a lawyer probably until fourth year, till clerkships came around. For me, I went to a public primary school and then I went to an academically selective but public 
high school. And because I was living in the refuge situation that I was living in at the time, I sort of had to also work, which made my senior years at high school a little bit difficult. So I got very close to the finish line, but not quite to the end where I did two of my HSC exams and then no more because what better time to quit than when you're halfway through your (laughs) HSC. So I was just working various jobs for a number of years, um, telemarketing jobs, sales jobs. When I was in the refuge system and some of the kids that I was living with seeing the problems that they had were just like little tiny problems like train fines or phone bills sort of blew up into massive issues and sort of thought, oh, that might be something nice to do. But then, of course, you know, once you start working and you have an income, it's sort of very easy to fall into that. I'm just going to focus on making money and I can't really step away from it. And so instead, along a similar vein, I decided I'd be a a tattooist, um, (laughs) much the same. And so I was focusing on that for a while, just sort of sketching away. And at a certain point, my partner, who was really sick of me watching SpongeBob SquarePants for 12-hour marathons in my early 20s and just sketching away like that was that was my job now he said you know you have to go to uni and so I went into the bridging program because I didn't have a HSE so did that three-month program and then qualified to get into a bachelor of media and communications which I did for a year because at that time I was still sort of thinking I might stay in the sort of art area and then managed to get good marks and so thought hey maybe it's actually doable to go and do a, a law degree and that's how I transferred over. That is amazing. I guess following from that, what was your first introduction to Allen's and was it somewhere that you could see yourself working? Patty, did you want to go first? It wasn't, to be honest. I wasn't a very good law student in the extent that I would turn up to class, I wouldn't really socialise with anyone and then I would go back to college and see my friends there. I didn't really have much interest in a, like a commercial law job. I didn't really know what it was. It sounded very like esoteric and confusing to me. I saw an ad on Facebook actually for a paralegal position and applied and ignorance was bliss. I had no idea what I wrote, but was lucky enough to be interviewed by Tim Stewart and Sophie Page. I was unsuccessful, but I remember just coming here and meeting both of them and just really enjoyed the conversation that I had. For clerkships, I guess just as I knew of Allen's, I had applied for a number of firms, but for the most part, Allen's was really the only one that I really wanted to go to. And I was actually on exchange in Canada while I was applying for clerkships, which I think was actually really good because I was out of the bubble of uni when everyone is applying for clerkships, which from my understanding is a pretty daunting experience when you're in in that bit of a cyclone. Nothing like people showing up to the 4pm tutorial in a suit jacket and you're just (laughs) thinking, oh, I know where you've just been. The youth hostels in Toronto served me quite well for that. Probably similar to to Patty, I um, hadn't really thought about commercial law until I was sort of in my second year of uni because I went in sort of wanting to be a a public defender. But then sort of throughout the course of my studies, I realised that I absolutely love contracts and that I cannot really stomach the subject matter of other areas of law. So that kind of was just sort of like a natural transition, I suppose, for me. But I, I certainly had no idea about different tiers or top tier firms or anything like that and ha- had never heard of a clerkship in my life having had no like lawyer friends or relatives or anything like that the way that I came across Allens and clerkships in general was I was on the law student society and probably dobbing myself in because I, I should have known what clerkships were but it wasn't until the day <laughs> of our careers fair when I got a message from a friend of mine saying you know we need more people down here can you just come down please and show face and I thought oh, okay and I went down to the careers fair and sort of started chatting to people at all of these stalls and uh, another firm had been at the careers fair and, and full disclosure I was actually originally gunning pretty hard for a different firm that that wasn't Allen's so 
Treason. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Traitor. Uh, so we'll forgive you. Thank you. I'm, I'm still learning to forgive myself. Um, <laughs> but so I was, yeah, 100% committed to a completely different place because I obviously I hadn't had any interactions with with any of these firms really. When I came to the cocktail event for Allen's, I realized I had been in a job consistently for about five years. And after that length of time, the people that you work with are sort of like, they sort of become like your friends and family and you get really comfortable with them. And so I was kind of looking for something like that. And having been to the Allen's cocktail night, as I was chatting to people, it, it sort of, it felt really comfortable and it, and the it was really talking to people there and sort of being able to see myself developing friendships and having that kind of network. Both of you had an interesting introduction to the law, perhaps not the most standard road, as in, you know, you haven't always wanted to do it and it was a bit of a slow burn. Can you tell us about the mentors that you've had in your life throughout tertiary education and who you lean on now at Allen's when you need help and support? I think for me, I guess it sort of depends on what you see is the role of a, a mentor in your own life. And for me, I think a mentor is somebody who makes you feel inspired or, or capable and somebody that you can go to for, for help or for guidance. And so I think for me, a lot of the mentors that I've had in my life have been informal mentors in that they probably didn't know they were a mentor, <laughs> which sounds creepier than it is. Um, so for me, just throughout uni, I mean, peers in my classes who you sort of start to hear about the things that they're doing, like exchanges or, you know, I'm going to enroll in the honours program or, you know, I'm going to go for a, a clerkship or whatever the case might be. And I know for myself, having never really had any exposure to any of those concepts, just through having conversations with your friends, oh, okay, well, what is that? And, and how do you do that? And so I learned a lot from my friends throughout uni and that sort of just grew organically into a very one-sided relationship where they were training me and helping me find things that I wanted to pursue in my own life that I had never sort of turned my mind to. And then there were the more sort of, I guess, semi-formal arrangements where, you know, your professors or your lecturers at, at uni and they take sort of a specific interest in you and, you know, you go for coffee and ask how they got into their career and, and they sort of give you off-the-cuff guidance. Like I know for myself, there's a, a particular professor at the University of Wollongong, Dr. Romero, who has been an absolute shining light in my life and I love him endlessly. Shout out. I guess at Allen's, it's, it's been a similar thing. So I definitely have the formal mentors in, in the form of performance coaches and more senior members of the team who are there and who to train you and, and give you that kind of feedback and direction. And, and they've been absolutely invaluable to me. But it's the the informal relationships that you have with sort of your peers and the people that are closer in time to you. So, for instance, I know across our whole cohort, there's a, a few who are really inspiring to, to all of us and to particularly to, you know, young female lawyers. It's been a nice balance, but predominantly it's just come organically from just talking to people at the firm and them sharing their time. That is one thing I found about Allen's. People are so generous with their time here and a lot of people do become your informal mentors just because they are so friendly and approachable and you can pepper them with 25 questions a day and they just give you so much time and we'll sit down with you and answer them. And I find that there are so many people that I should probably actually thank for being my informal mentors and making me feel comfortable enough to come and ask them a million questions a day. Yeah, I agree. I think in terms of the role of like a mentor, one like in life and then also just in law, a lot of it I think is a two-way relationship and I rely on a fair few people to, I guess, just help figure out direction and drive. So I have a few friends just from home who don't really understand this world and that's great and I love that and we don't have to talk about that. But sometimes when I do talk about it, 
they, you know, instill confidence and say, no, like back yourself, give it a go. What have you got to lose? Which is great because ignorance is bliss. They don't like know how, how far I could fall. And then I think coming to Alan's, I really didn't know anyone, which was great because I just had to like put myself out there and make friends. So, I mean, like even you guys having you guys around and being able to bounce things off has been really great. Having those people obviously is really important as a support network at the firm, both for things in your personal life, but also in your professional life when you're coming up with obstacles. Another question that we had is what your biggest challenges have been during the clerkship and then what they are now as a lawyer and how the people around you have kind of helped you through those challenges. Patty, did you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. I think during the clerkship, it was honestly figuring out where my desk was to start. That was pretty hard. How to use the elevator, things like that. <laughs> um, That's fair. Coming from Tamworth, it's a big change up here in, in the city. Yeah. Yeah. But I think on from that, because I didn't know anyone, it was also about making friends and meeting people. And I have a very slight disability and have to wear a leg brace. And so when we would play sport and, you know, there were 55 clerks, every single person one by one would come up and say like, hey, you know, what happened here? And so having to explain things like that in my past and background to people was quite difficult. Also in the clerkship, I had two family members pass away in an accident as well. That was also really challenging at that time. I think the biggest challenge at the moment is because the work is so exciting and so fast paced. I don't really know what the day is going to hold and what is really going to happen. Being proactive and responding to that, I think at the moment is the biggest challenge as well. And just constantly learning all the time is exhausting. It's really hard. I think it's nice to hear that your initial challenges might've been, I don't know, more internal or based around social circles at work and finding confidence within yourself. But now it's just, oh, the technical law and and my job itself is, is the challenge rather than. Yeah. I think at the start it was more just like feeling comfortable and wondering like whether I belong here Mm. because looking from the outside in, I didn't really think that there were that many people like me who worked here. That was really hard. And then like learning just to feel comfortable and settled and happy and making friends here. And then from then on, it was, I guess, a lot more about the work. Well, the work should be the most challenging thing here. I mean, it can be pretty tough some days. So it's nice to hear that that is the biggest challenge. Um, Ginny, what about you? I think for me, the biggest challenge that I, that I had, I guess, also sort of relates to the social aspect in that 10 days before the clerkship started, my partner was in a, a pretty severe road accident. And so he was up in the ICU. And I remember even coming in on the, the first day of my clerkship and I had my like little suitcase pack so I could go out to Liverpool Hospital and see him and be like, oh, I hope no one notices this giant suitcase. And also because I actually at that time was still living in, in Wollongong. So I had this sort of really long commute and then to come to work and then to get to the hospital and then back again, I sort of missed out on a lot of the social activities, the sort of after work clerk bonding type things. And I guess similar to Patty, I was sort of in my mind self-conscious about the fact that I might be different in that you know being a little bit rough around the edges but also now I'm not at these social events because I have to do xyz and I was actually really worried that I was sort of starting on the back foot and so wouldn't be able to develop those networks that I think we all know are are very important in in any career fortunately that has not been the case and everybody at Allen's consistently continues to provide me with lots of opportunities to get involved and spend my extra time which I'm very grateful for and I've made some really great friends so that sort of ties into my current challenge which is trying to to balance things so obviously I still have some carers responsibilities with my partner but also at Allen's itself there are so many different committees that you absolutely want to be involved in then you have your job itself that you absolutely are committed to and then 
outside of that, everyone here is always doing something like really excellent and interesting and exciting that you also want to go and do. So for me, it's just trying to find the right balance between all those kinds of things, but we will get there. Slow and steady. It's very relatable. And it's actually interesting to me how many people, even amongst our cohort, and then let alone all of the other cohorts that have come through the firm, how many individuals there are in that cohort who have the same feeling of showing up here on day one and thinking, do I really belong here? Am I going to be found out if people find out about my life or, or details about me, am I not going to be accepted? Am I not going to make those friends? And then once you actually get into the swing of things, you realize that that's absolutely not the case. And I think that's a reason why this episode was so important to us because we really want to encourage people not to self-select out of this process or think for any reason that this is not a place for them or that they're not going to find that acceptance here. Going on from what Mel has said, this is an episode that I think is close to everyone's hearts here, mine included. And I think once one person opens up, you start this really nice chain of vulnerability and it makes people here look up and think, hey, it's not just me. I'm not alone in my experiences. So I want to ask all of you, and Mel, I want to ask you this as well. How has your personal life shaped the lawyer and the person that you are today? Ginny, did you want to go first? I think for me, there's there's been a very practical use for my experiences and then sort of a, a less visible but equally valuable to me use for my experiences. And that is the first being that obviously because I've been working so many different jobs over the course of my life, one thing that I have noticed that I wouldn't have believed to be the case before I came to Allen's, even though I, I know that this is something that, that we really try to remind people of, is that all of those different jobs and experiences that you have will teach you transferable skills. And so although I hadn't had any experience with a legal job, all those various different roles that, that you have, whether that's, you know, paint shop at Bunnings or superannuation during the GFC or door knocking, all of which I've done, you are going to learn things like, you know, time management and prioritization and, and customer service. And, and so in a practical level, I actually am still using every day the skills that I actually picked up completely outside the legal context, but which helped me just do my job. The other side of that being that I think because of my personal experiences, I'm a very people-oriented person. And so I always try to see the human behind the problem, which I guess is really different from what you learn in law school, where it's this hypothetical that's so far removed from an actual human. And for some reason, like always named after Game of Thrones characters. And for those of us <laughs> that don't watch that show, we find that really alienating. Just want to call that out. Um, but so I think that is also something that I wasn't aware would be really valuable, but that actually is a huge aspect of, I guess, what we call commerciality in terms of putting problems in context of the people that we're dealing with. Those are two things that I think have really actually helped me in this specific career that have absolutely nothing to do with law. Similar to what Ginny said, I think for me, my like personal background has helped a lot with personal relationships. So when I was 17 in year 11, I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma and had chemotherapy and surgery, which went over the course of about 11 months, which also gave rise to a slight disability in my leg and is why I have to wear a brace. Following that, I got into a lot of sports coaching, which was something I really enjoyed and I really loved working in a team. I used to play a lot of sport as a kid, so coaching as well was something that could help me continue that. And I think from that, I realized the value of relationships and how important it is in life. And in general, business law is really just about relationships and managing relationships. But also from my personal background, you realize that there are bigger things in life that are probably a little bit more important at times than a career. 
So for me through that and having to be upfront and honest about that, it taught me to be vulnerable. So for example, in the clerkship, we had to write a letter to someone who was important in our life and who helped us. And I wrote mine to my oncologist at the time and then someone had to read that out. So I thought I would kill a few birds with one stone and basically tell everyone what happened so people would stop asking me why I have to wear a brace. I will never forget that day, just the silence in the room when you were telling your story and there was people crying and it was just the that most, was me. I, was, I was a crier as well. The most yep. emotionally intense, but just empowering story ever. I think I rang my partner later and I was like, I just really want to say that I love you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. I think you then called Viv. Yeah, and yeah. You read the yeah, letter out calling, to him. Yeah, I yeah. read it out. I remember, yeah, my heart was like pounding out of my chest at that point. Yeah, I think it just taught me to be raw and honest and there's no point beating around the bush about things. And I think that that is really important in business, especially in law when we use like a lot of words to try and describe things when half the time it doesn't really matter. You may as well just get straight to the point. And I think that that is something that has taught me about, I guess, human relationships and communication. I will always remember that moment as well because that's the moment we became friends Yeah. <laughs> because uh, one of my really close friends in high school also was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a very small world and was treated by the same oncologist, Viv, and I hadn't heard Viv's voice since the day that my friend Reese passed away. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Don't say sorry. <laughs> and I remember I broke down in tears. <laughs> And went to Patty at the end and apologized because I was like, this is your moment and you've just done something <laughs> like so raw and vulnerable and shared like this beautiful story. And I'm here blubbering like an absolute idiot and you have no context to why I'm sitting here blubbering like an idiot. He's like, who is this stranger? She's so touched Literally, by my story. And I was in like the second row and we made eye contact yeah. a few times and I was like, I don't know if he thinks that I'm like really emotionally unhinged. I don't know. But we went for lunch and sorted it out. It yeah. was fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was really nice. And I think that has inspired me as well. And I think Ginny and there's been so many beautiful stories, an earlier episode that was done with Grace Stalls, who was one of our graduate lawyers. I think hearing these stories then encouraged me to come out with my personal story as well. So my mum was put in jail twice, once during high school and then again during university. And I remember specifically the term, she got put in jail for the second time. My marks were woeful. <laughs> like, Fairly so. <laughs> Fairly yeah. so. And I remember in my interview, I got asked, what happened here? <laughs> what happened this semester? And you're and like, how I, long do you have? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. And I, I didn't say anything at the time because I thought, God, if one of these partners at Allen's finds out that my mum has been in jail, they're going to think, I don't even know what of me. And that's going to be my career over. Just how far you've come since that day, I feel like in sharing your story. When Mel first told me that she wanted to share her story just via the internet, but that means obviously there's a thousand or so people who are going to see it. I was so proud and so inspired. And, you know, she's my mentor going back to what we were saying earlier. My God. And I think to carry something like that with you every day and not have any anyone know and then being empowered to share it and kind of get that weight off your shoulders. And I feel like that story shines through in her resilience, in her work ethic, in the quality of her work, just in every day who she is. 
I think it's such a big part of who you are and it's the same as your story, Ginny, and your story, yeah. Patty, and being able to come to a place where you feel accepted and you can bring your whole self to work and you can tell people about these things and still find really beautiful connections with people and realise that no one is judging you. Mm. Everyone has a story and I think Everyone that's, has a yeah. Story. And it helps with your work so much. Like I, I find every day... Yeah, the, the resilience of, you know, knowing things have come through and just knowing what you've been through and no matter what confronts you in a day, knowing that you're going to be able to get through it. I think even that alone, like it gives you a certain level of like belief and confidence mm. in yourself that you can actually achieve these things. And no matter how weird the email is, it hits your inbox and you look at it and go, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know that you will be able to figure it out and that things could be worse and that no matter what comes your way, it's it's achievable. And I think, I think it's true as well, the importance of people sharing their stories because, I mean, there are a few people throughout the firm. I know like during the clerkship application process, I used the rare recruitment tool to sort of put my life in context, but never would I ever have, you know, in this public setting, you know, got up and said, oh, you know, I was a homeless teenager had I not read the story that you put on the internet. And so it's very interesting how, you know, Patty's story inspires you, which is then it's important to put that in context as well as that we're, for, we're a few people in a room, all of whom have stories. And so I think that's that's important to recognize is that when you're in union, you're going through this clerkship process. From my own experience, you have this sense of I am other and I am different to, you know, the firm and what the firm wants. And I'm not the firm type, but actually by labeling yourself as other, I know I personally now feel that I was also unfairly characterizing the firm as this this place where nobody has these human experiences or these, you know, hardships or different backgrounds and everyone there is perfect and well put together and 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 that side sort of thing. And I think that one of the things that I, I really wish that I had known, although I was told and never believed it, was that it is one hundred percent okay and in fact encouraged that you be your whole self and your context is part of that. Not that you, you know, you're defined or limited by your context, but actually that your context and your different experiences are something that the firm genuinely values. Like I remember like the most common advice I got was like, don't be like too much of yourself. And over the the past few years of being at the <laughs> firm. That. <laughs> yeah. And I've sort of been like leaking out little bits more and more and more of myself to the point where now I'm pretty confident I speak in my actual accent, um, (laughs) which is great for me, much more comfortable. It's, you know, it's fine that I love a good meat raffle at the bowling club more than anything else. No, I think it's good that you're encouraged to not only bring your whole self to work, but to bring your whole self to your application. Otherwise, what's the point? And I think it's great that you mentioned that you used Rare. It's a contextual recruitment tool that we use that's optional to fill in, but it just lets you provide, I don't know, the stories and the context that make up a holistic application. So, you know, instead of just putting down your ATAR, you can also write down that, hey, I also had to work three jobs or I had a care responsibility. And I think that those things in context really shape your application and provide the recruiters with the full story, which is really important. Well, I think for me, it made it made all the difference. I by no means was a HD across the board student. I wasn't even a D across the board student. I didn't even have an ATAR, for instance. So, I mean, when I went into the interview, I know that my interviews were really heavily focused on my life and my working history and my experiences. And, and you know, people were really genuinely interested in that. So, I mean, I think it's a absolutely great tool and probably important to emphasize that the hardships that you go through in your life and how that impacts on your studies is not necessarily a barrier. And in fact, you can learn things through those experiences that, that you can apply that the firm really likes because everyone then, you know, is taking a problem and solving it in a different way, which is always good. I think this feeds into something that Fiona mentioned in our episode last week, which was that a big focus for her as the chair 
of the firm moving forward is to create a really broad definition of what diversity means. It's not just, you know, gender diversity or just racial diversity that we really need to appreciate that socioeconomic diversity feeds into things, different life experiences. And these things all feed into making Allen's a really welcoming place to work and a really accepting place to work. And I think these stories that people have, and I think the more that they're told have such power in encouraging other people that no matter their background, they can come here and that that creates a beautiful and diverse working environment for other people. It does make it so much more enjoyable to come to work as well when you feel like you know the people that you're working with and stories and you can relate to them. You produce better work as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that probably leads quite neatly onto our last question, which Ginny, you touched on briefly before, but if you had any advice that you could give to any students listening to this podcast now, thinking about coming to Allen's, but perhaps a bit nervous about whether they might be accepted here because of their background, what would that advice be? What would you say to them? I think honestly, just throw yourself into everything because you're really not going to know what you like and what you don't like until you actually try and you actually have nothing to lose at that point. It's a really fantastic and enjoyable experience. It's a lot of fun. So you may as well just give it a go. I mean, I would absolutely just say apply, like always back yourself in everything that you do. And I mean, like like Patty said, the worst thing that can happen is you end up exactly where you are. But the best thing that can happen is you get to be like sitting here doing this nice podcast with these nice people. <laughs> Thank you both so much today for sharing your stories with us. I am incredibly grateful to get to sit here and listen to them. I'm grateful for your honesty and your advice. Yeah. And for, I know that you'll inspire, you know, someone else to share their story, which I think is an incredible thing as well that you should both be really proud of. Um, And you too, Mel. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. I wasn't sure if I was meant to. I'm just going to go. I'll show myself out. (laughs) 